Hi. How's it going? It's going pretty great. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm pretty good. I'm real tired. We're recording pretty late uh, for the show. We normally record in to the afternoon, the sort of the golden hour of podcast recording. Um, you know, when creatives have just slumped out of bed and they're fresh for a good uh, for a good radio production. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's a little later, and I'm kind of getting drowsy. Um, but I am. I've had two large cups of coffee today, so I'm I'm pushing through. What have you been up to? Uh, I have just been finishing off my uh, Crunchyroll news for the day, and I am now onto my uh, second cup of Rose Earl Grey. So that's gonna keep me going. So are you? a tea drinker are you are you you don't do coffee I don't do coffee I actually can't do coffee I tried oh. it when I was in college and it would give me these awful headaches Ooh. uh I can do coffee flavored stuff like coffee, <laughs> ice cream and candy I don't know what it is it's so stupid so I started drinking tea and I would just because I needed my caffeine somehow mm-hmm. and then one of my old college buddies started working at a local tea shop where they sell like the loose leaf stuff. And it's mm. really like high end. I started going there. So now I, I occasionally get snobby about tea, but I also am very real about the fact that this is my caffeine. So when it comes down to it, it's like d- dump in hot water, get hot, drink fast. Good. You know, <laughs> gotta go fast. <laughs> Do you think Sonic drinks tea? I think he better. Um, well, tea actually, the caffeine from tea actually enters your system differently. Mm. So it depends on, is he going for like, you know, a, a fast sprint or is he trying to get sort of, you know, a long haul? What kind of level are we talking about? Because coffee goes straight into your bloodstream, mm-hmm. the caffeine does, and tea uh, goes in through your stomach lining. So it kind of goes out throughout the day and gives you a little more of a longer buzz that doesn't give you the drop off. Huh. I did not know that. I did not either until I realized that, you know, coffee and tea affect me differently. And that's probably why I can do it. So I, if I were Sonic's coach, which I'm not, but if (laughs) I were, I, I would say, I would say if he's going for one of those, one of those quick sprints, just, you know, a couple of espressos, but if he's got to be in there for the long haul, you might want to go for, some Irish breakfast or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, speaking of Sonic's coach, this is something I periodically remember. And whenever I do, I'm just like, how did this happen? Because for people who don't know, there is a series of games that I think has been going on for like something like eight years at this point called Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. And it was the first dedicated series where those two beloved video game mascots sort of like got together and competed with one another. And it was in the context of doing Olympic sports. Yeah. I had forgotten all about, oh my God, for a second, I thought you were going to say Sonic dreams. And I was like, look, (laughs) (laughs) not that, not that. No, I'd forgotten about the Olympic thing. Wow. No, I watched so many gaming videos that talk about like you know could mario actually do this could sonic do this so i am very keyed to the whole beloved mascots not at all built for athletics Uh, yeah well there's two 
really great events that Dr. Eggman can do. And one of them is riding a horse. And the other one is the freestyle gymnastics ribbon thing. Um, <laughs> and it's beautiful. He's so good. Um, he's just of course. the best. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's what I think of when I think of Oh, God, me too. Um, <laughs> his grace. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, God, it's, it was the weirdest thing. It was like fans have been waiting for this, like, matchup or, or like this coming together f- since the Sega Genesis Super Nintendo era. And when they finally do, it's like, oh, they're going to do a, uh, you know, pentathlon together. Uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of hoping for like, you know, they're going to scrap. Well, I guess that did happen in Super Smash Brothers. True. True. Man, Super Smash. Just every time you think they're taking. I thought it was weird when we Yoga Girl came in. And that that was not the weirdest. Like, I keep thinking that was peak what but that was not peak what yeah yeah i know that was truly outrageous um it was really bizarre and uh they keep just finding and then like the duck hunt dog it was See, like yeah we're gonna put that dog in there <laughs> i i robbed the robot like see that's amazing yeah See, I remember playing like early Smash when I was in college. Uh, I lived my sophomore year. We had um, everyone in the sci-fi club did their best to get uh, a room in Jefferson basement, like the bottom level of this one dorm so they could all just hang out together. And the one of the corner rooms, we would just have smash. We called them tournaments, but they weren't. it was just all of us yelling at each other because we were all mostly button mashers. And that was really my first experience with any kind of group video gaming was I had dated one of the guys from Skiffy. We broke up. And then once we broke up, everyone else was like, you know what? You're actually pretty cool. And so I hung out with everyone but him. And we <laughs> we uh we played smash and that was also how i learned stop playing kirby all the time people will get mad at you <laughs> what did you do that made people get mad at you uh i would i would uh spit them off the edge of the level that is fun i love the also the swallow them <laughs> then walk off uh <laughs> that's also like a very good move also the um the sort of backwards um uh, flying suplex off um where you both get crushed so yes. there's a lot of good ones for Kirby, yeah. The the main thing people did with Kirby was try to get Falcon in a level because they were convinced and, and they they weren't wrong. I heard it too that when Kirby said Falcon punch it sounded like he was saying hardcore porn. Um, <laughs> it kind of does. I guess it does. I've never really thought about that. <laughs> well, you know, that's what we were doing instead of studying. I mean, no one, yeah, everyone was doing something. <laughs> what, wait, which one was that? Which Smash, was that the first Super Smash Brothers? Uh, I don't know. See, that would have been, see, I was a sophomore in 2000. So. That would have been the first one. Yeah. Wow. Oof. 
I'm I'm still adjusting to the fact that college was that long ago for me. That's <laughs> that's a rough one. Yeah, that is uh yeah, no, it is wild time, right? Yeah. How does that yeah. work? Yeah, because I was when I was in college, uh there was no Crunchyroll, there was no Netflix. Um None of the st- none of the ways we get our entertainment now. A lot of the games we do. Uh, I was in college right during the beginnings of Napster and LimeWire. And <laughs> yes, pre we- Metallica guys lawsuit against Napster. Yeah, that was like, and I was also just getting into anime then, and that was when people you either got your fan subs on the the green cassettes the green mm-hmm, vhs tape mm-hmm. in the mail or you got them in uh 10 minute real player clips <laughs> i Amazing. i remember watching Mahoramatic solely because it was the only thing anyone was fan subbing at the time uh when i was a junior my first my first junior year because i took a year off for health reasons but my first junior year in college watching in like three parts on awful glitchy real player files and that was the life (laughs) that's yeah i never really i wasn't really like into anime directly when i was a kid i was sort of like aware of it and i watched the things that were like that canadian television happened to license or whatever which includes the truly incredible canadian dub of dragon ball which if you haven't heard it please it's called the big green dub um, oh, that was because Canada had to. I think it was because of Canadian content laws, where we had to redub it with Canadian voice actors for it to count oh. as Canadian content. So um, that was uh, something that happened in real life, um, <laughs> where they call Piccolo Big Green, and uh, oh whenever they're charging up, they say Kamehameha. Uh, <laughs> it's just like everything about it is incredible. Um, I have to hunt for that. Oh my goodness. But uh yeah, like I just watched that kind of stuff and then um I knew like there was a hobby shop and I feel like I might have talked about this story recently on the show, but maybe I was just telling someone about it. There was a hobby shop in my hometown where like, you know, you would get magic cards and stuff. Um but they also had a downstairs that was just all VHS tapes that was just all animes. Um, oh wow! And I um, just remember my friend once rented some some Tenchi Muyo tape, and then also like, uh, God, uh, oh, um, something called Golden Boy, I think. Oh, Golden Boy! <laughs> and like all I I was vaguely sort of like terrified that, uh, but either or both of these was going to include like titties, so. <laughs> When he was like, when we like went back to his house and like we're gonna watch it in his living room, I was just like, I gotta go. <laughs> like, I can't. I, I'm sorry, I gotta go. Um, my mom says I gotta go. So, uh, was I? Did so? You seem familiar with the second one. What would I have been right about that? I don't. I can't remember if Tenchi really went all the way with that. I watched. Well, Tenchi does. I remember that because only because at that same hobby shop, I bought the role playing game adaptation of Tenchi Moyo, which was made by a small Ontario based, like based, like pretty close to my hometown, a role playing game company called Guardians of Order, which licensed um, like Tenchi Moyo, Sailor Moon, 
a bunch of other like 80s anime uh to make role-playing games of them which was wild because it was before those were difficult properties to get a hold of i guess um but uh yeah no um i know tenchi moyo did have i think i have the sailor moon guardians of order game actually yeah because those books too they doubled as being um like reference material like they had episode summaries and all that stuff so yeah yeah, I definitely have the Tenchi Moyo one. Also, they did a generic anime one called Big Eyes, Small Mouth because I have played that. <laughs> it's oh like my. it's definitely an old school role playing game that is like bad to play, um, but it was very amusing to me as a child. And all the art is just by like it's like that early style of art of like Americans trying mm. to do manga style and doing it like very very poorly i can like see the eye shape as you say this there is one eye shape like very specifically and mm-hmm. the way they did the eyelash and yep. just yeah i had i had a um learn to read kanji book that one of my friends who actually is from japan bought me when i said i was interested in kanji and there was this anime girl on the cover and her skin was like my little pony pink <laughs> and 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 her her boobs were arranged in such a way that they were pretty much under her armpits so she may have had the plague um and yeah, those were just was, boobins or whatever they're called it was yeah and it's like i still have that somewhere i know when i went through my books when I moved, uh, I moved back into my old family home a couple of years ago and I was going through my books and going, what do I donate? What do I keep? And I ran across that and I'm like, this, this is like an unholy relic. I can't put this out in the world. I have to keep this. And <laughs> Well, you're of course familiar with, um, the classic how to draw anime book, right? I had it bought for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, it's, yeah. well, who's, what's that guy's name? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm searching how to draw anime book infamous. Um, bad. Infam- <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> you know it. Google. Come on. You know that one. Get into my brain. Like you just get your hands in my brain. Like you. I know you do want to. Um, oh, Christopher Hart. Oh, my goodness. Christopher Hart. Chris, also, you, because my search stuff is all fucked up now, Christopher Sabat is the first Christopher that comes up. <laughs> of course, the voice of Vegeta, which is his username on Twitter, which is uh, very good. Um, oh, excellent. So I'm going to bring this up, the Christopher Hart How to Draw uh, manga. And um, yeah, it's um, it's I'm something. Gonna... I'll tell you what over into my tabs and do the same because i don't care for my health at all this is how i live and yeah that's the one i like saw the ooh, <laughs> like the first picture camp i went mm, yeah that's that's a period of my life yeah i mean i think i, I had books like that but they were just on like they were on western comics but they were still not great <laughs> they were still like very bad and also all those drawing books used to piss me off because they were just like draw a circle draw another circle oh then you drew donald duck like fuck yeah, off it's, it's it's the draw the rest of the owl meme exactly just, exactly yeah. <laughs> 
draw the rest of the out. It's yeah, I would try those, and it's like, uh, no, I don't know what step you left out to preserve your career, but uh, I don't know. It's man, that look is a look. When you when we were saying you know the one, I actually use the phrase you know the one quite a bit in professional writing when I have to clue someone over to sourcing something for me. <laughs> um, I am I am just now finishing up some uh, Doctor Who content where I had to pick iconic scenes from the first 10 seasons of the modern run. And at one point I was like, I was picking out a scene and it's like uh, such and such speech from this episode, you know the one. And the thing is they do. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, that one. Okay, yeah. But because... I don't really take my professionalism as professionally as I should. Sometimes I noticed that when I sent the rewrites, I put like a rewrite of remix to ignition at the top mm-hmm, of the, mm-hmm. the email, because I had had to rewrite all the, all the uh, articles. Yeah. That checks out. This, this is a great way to impress uh, a professional company is be a total nerd. They'll be fine with that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You can't take yourself too seriously. I mean, I feel like if people can't take a little bit of, a little bit, a little bit of fun sometimes, then, you know, that's their problem. Most of my story pitches to publishers begin with the line, okay, check this out. Um, All right. (laughs) Let me lay this on you. Yeah. Vanity Fair. (laughs) Hey, what's this? Check it out. Um, and they end with so yeah, which is uh <laughs> I think the the best way to end pretty much anything. Uh no, when I sent off uh I, I actually was in a Sherlock Holmes anthology mm. a couple of years ago, which was one of my first big published projects, which is just super fun. Um stories about uh Sherlock Holmes in the Victorian canon told from the point of view of anyone who's not Watson. Very and cool had to be a different character for each story. So at one point you were getting to like a cop who was in one story, the dog, you know, it was, it was <laughs> really, I ended up with Billy, the page boy who, um, who, who showed up as sort of an accessory in certain uh, stories. But when I sent the pitch for the story to the editor, George Mann, lovely guy uh, at Titan books, uh, it started right. Check this out and the pitch, and then so yeah. Let me know how that is, and it works. So I figure that's good. <laughs> I mean, I am very amenable to that kind of thing. Um, I've yeah, <laughs> yeah. As you may have noticed, yes, um, I have. I yeah. When someone when it's just like you know, if it's someone who I don't know at all, and they're just like, "Hey, yeah. what's up? I got this thing. You should do it." Then I'm just like. I think I probably will not do it to, uh, is, is the truth about that. But uh, yeah, once I like have a relationship with a writer, then I'm just like, just lay it on me. Just text me your pitch ideas. Just like send them by a bird. Just like nail them to my door. Like fucking Martin Luther. Just like, <laughs> hear my fucking pitches. Um, if it's me stumble into your slack. Like, have you seen the Godzilla creepypasta? <laughs> okay, God, can we talk about that? Because by the time this yes. episode goes up, your piece on that will have gone up. So uh, I, you told me about, and for people who, who don't know somehow, um, 
you could not know. That's fine. Um, the term creepypasta refers to basically internet ghost stories um, that originated on like message boards on. Um, they came from the chance kind of. They came from chan boards mainly. Um, and so some of the classic ones are like um, Ben Drowned, which is about a haunted Legend of Zelda game. Uh, there's Candle Cove, which became a TV show now, which is about a, like a lost um, or children's like a, a children's show. Yeah, that is spooky. It's mostly I feel like the genre is mostly what if but fucked up. Um, yeah, but it's like children's stuff. So like it's very obvious like, oh, what what scares us is like innocent, normal things in our childhood being secretly fucked up. It's like all those fan theories that are like Tommy is Tommy from the Rugrats is in a coma or something like <laughs> or like phil or lil was aborted like i don't know just all kinds of stuff like that um but you sent me this godzilla one which i had never heard of before and is apparently pretty notable because it's listed on the wikipedia page um but how would you describe this uh godzilla nes is sort of um came out in i believe 2011 i was looking at looking up stuff and it was a lot of times when you see video game creepypasta, it's either a video you watch or a game you play. And this was just a dude talking about, it started out, haha, weird, my Godzilla game has different monsters in it. Oh, now it's got a straight up demon. And as you're playing, it just starts pulling you into these weirder and weirder stories where the game begins to know the character and question him. And it begins to have to do with his life. But the the high point, the peak point of this creepypasta is that the guy made the screen caps. The, yes. guy actually, the guy took Godzilla Monster of Monsters, which is a real NES game, uh, and his, his original plan had been to make a fan game and make some, some of his own sprites. And instead, he went and uh, used that sprite-making talent and made this story of this like weirdly haunted game that seem to know him or seem to want to be out to get him and so it's it's a long long read but that's largely because it's just so visually packed yeah and i don't know what it is but there's uh there's the main villain and it is red my uh my, my beautiful soul swallowing son god and the first time i saw that picture of this demon it was just the worst and it's it's so weird it's just this weird amalgam of things and in the story, it will occasionally notice the player. And when it turns its head to the player in the Jesus screen cap, it's turning its head to you, the reader. So that's what really got me when I first read it is when Red turned to Zachary, the player, the screen cap was looking at me. Yeah, and it's so bad. And suddenly, even though, even though it's not an actual game that I'm controlling, even though it's not a video that's moving, there was something about those caps that pulled me in. Yeah, Just no, it's a bad were. thing to see um, with your eyes, to see that. I, I I don't know what my problem is, but I love that kind of stuff. Well, that's and, the allure of horror, right? Is like someone, I forget, there was like a really bad take I saw on Twitter, not by anyone I know, but it was just like, <laughs> oh yeah, I love horror movies. I love subjecting myself to terror for no reason. And it's like, You've missed the entire point of that genre because that literally yeah. is it. And it's fine if you don't like them because for a long time I didn't. But like, that's, there's so, it's like, it's compelling. Yeah, it's for me, 
because people ask me about how in the world can you watch this? Like, well, I'm morbid. I never outgrew that sort of childish fascination with weird shit. Um, and for me, a lot of times it is a safe way to experience it. It's kind of like it's kind of like thrill seekers going on a roller coaster. You know, you're getting zero G's, you're being dropped off things, you're being spun around corners, but there's also tons of engineering behind it. Uh, so unless you go to like, what is it, Action Park or whatever, <laughs> class action park, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You're, you're, nothing's going to happen to you. So you're having a safe, scary experience. And for me, the scary stories, the creepypasta, the movies, the games, because a, a game I love is Doki Doki Literature Club. Um, those are all ways to sort of look that in the face and nothing's going to happen to you. So you can explore that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I am, I am addicted to the weirds because of that. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's interesting to me that the Godzilla one became so big because I think it's success. And the reason why it's so successful and the reason also why it's so mystifying is because it's not like a beloved childhood mascot character. It's not a Sonic who's becoming a demon and killing you. Yeah. It's not a Zelda who you get lost in the game and the creepy mask man kills you. It's like uh, famously like pretty bad game. I think like there is a uh, angry video game nerd episode on this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't think it was like widely played, but uh yeah, and I think partly that's why it works because like people aren't really that familiar with it. Um, I honestly didn't believe it was a real game at first. Right? Thought, yeah, it seems really had, weird. I thought he had made up an NES Godzilla game, and then I went and found out. Oh no, friends have played this. But there's also something about the aesthetic of the game that sort of, um, you know, NES trying to do kaiju in that era and how the sprites end up looking and the music because if yeah you, if you listen to nes godzilla actual game music they almost uh-huh. don't need to make it creepy it's already weird <laughs> yeah but it is weird because like the nes can't couldn't make big sprites so like godzilla looks really tiny and you're just walking around on this weird map like all the godzilla games that we got in the states and this is what the AVGN says in this episode until like the Xbox were really weird and bad. Like I remember a super Nintendo one where you were kind of controlling Godzilla, but like there was a bottom screen that was like a map and a top screen where it was just him walking. Like that was just basically <laughs> a cinematic view and you were trying not to like destroy buildings and stuff. Like it oh. seemed like the opposite of what Godzilla should be doing. I mean, you know, I, uh, so Pat, so basically pacifist run Godzilla, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> Except you do fight kaiju, so um, mm, I don't but, know them. Who are they? Uh, but yeah, no, it's so good. The creepypasta. So, although I did, I have to say, I did read it late at night in um, a tiny shepherd's hut that I was staying in in uh, in southwest southwest england and it what it is it was a very lovely trip um but i was on my own in this little hut behind a cottage that people were living in but still and uh it was dark i I had like a fire and like a a tiny lamp and so (laughs) it was dark and then i had to pee and so like there was no bathroom in the hut obviously 
So um, I had to uh, get go outside and walk to the house and go in the bathroom there. And so that meant um, that was difficult for me. I'll say oh that my um, after no. reading that late at night, because it's like, I know this isn't real in my brain, my human brain knows that this isn't real and my lizard brain is like yeah. what is this monster what is this monster <laughs> you have you have been feeding me this information on a new predator <laughs> yeah exactly it's like i don't know like we also had a piece go up the this week um by gretchen felker martin on the alien properties and uh i have been really scared of the aliens since i was a kid and part of me is like, oh, no, it makes sense that you're scared of it because it's supposed to be scary. And then another part of me is just like, I am legitimately afraid as an adult <laughs> that I'm going to walk down the hall and there is going to be an alien there and it's going to just like shred me apart. Oh my God. Funny story about Alien, oddly, in my own life is I didn't see it for a very long time. Um, when I was speaking of video games also, um, I got a used SNES was my first video game system mm -hmm. and I had a handful of games on it. And one of them was an Animaniacs video game. Oh, with, oh the aliens in that. I remember those other aliens in it. Now I had never seen alien. We didn't have cable. So there was no reason to see commercials for it. We didn't, you know, yeah. I was pretty out of the loop on that, even though my uncle is a huge sci-fi nerd and we sort of back and forth on that, but I got to that level and little purple version of mother aliens running around and i'm like you know my my grandparents are back there sort of looking at this game because it had movie references in it so they were sort of entertained and i'm playing and mother aliens there i was like that's so weird why does that thing look familiar and my grandmother just looks absolutely aghast and i didn't know why and later on she said when i was a me kara when i was a baby still living with my parents in new york my dad had this mother alien maquette that for some reason he kept on a shelf in my room, in my baby room. And he claimed it was high up enough that I couldn't see it. But one night I apparently caught sight of it in my bed and started screaming. Uh, that was the only other time I had seen mother alien in my life. And so apparently mm. my brain remembers that horrible night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course you do. I remember <laughs> what I remember is that I went to Universal Studios when I was a kid mm. and there's a ride called the Backlot Tour. Where oh my you, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been on that? Uh, not for like uh, 20 years. Yeah. Oh, I mean, same. Um, yeah. But you go through all these movies and then it's like initially just supposed to be like, we're going to look at the history of movies. But then it's like the movies are real. And you go into a <laughs> Western and these bandits who are robbing a bank, like commandeer your little tour cart. And then they go through the movie Alien and there's just like the voice talking about how like, uh -huh. it's killed all my crew, blah, blah, blah. And then it like <laughs> comes after you and it's just like, well, this is going to get, I'm going to file this away in the a uh, weird trauma part of my brain <laughs> and it'll just sit there for a while and um we'll just we'll just uh let that sit there and figure it out later i i did the jaws ride back before it completely went to shit as did i as did i 
Uh, it's, I, I had forgotten all about these. I went on this, on this high school trip to, to Disney World and Universal Studios. I went to a Catholic school and I was like the most middle-class non-Catholic person in the school. But I went on this, you know, it was like senior day at Disney World. And I'd never been to any theme park except Busch Gardens right by me in Williamsburg. So it was a big, big adventure. I forgot most of it. I mean, I remembered a handful of things like finally getting to do Haunted Mansion. Mm. And like one in the morning, all, all I'd ever wanted was to do Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Is I that the one where like the ghosts are kind of like projected? Yeah, I've been Ooh. wanting to do that since I was like a, a babby and I finally did. And it was like 1 a.m. So it was really bizarre. Um, but I'd forgotten most of it. And then a friend told me to start watching um, Defunct Land. And all of a sudden, all those rides came back because it's like, hey, I did that. It's gone. That's gone. That's gone. <laughs> now, what is Defunct Land? Defunct Land is, I have this little um, list on YouTube of, I've had a bad and busy day. Here's some stuff I can watch for fun that's just going to be entertaining. Defunct Land is top of that list. And it's a guy who researches uh, unfinished or uh, no longer available uh, theme parks and theme park rides. Mm. And he does little mini documentaries of them on YouTube. And he occasionally does defunct TV where he'll talk about uh, TV series. He actually covered Legends of the Hidden Temple also, which was entertaining. But he's talked about Busch Gardens Williamsburg a couple of times, which is why I started watching it because I've been going there all my life. And then he covers, I mean, he covers like the abandoned, not quite Disney World in Tokyo. He covers the Jules Verne part of um, Euro Disney that never happened or only happened once. And it's it's just fascinating because he talks about the business side, like why rides close down. Right. But there's also, whenever he talks about Disney, because it's largely Disney, obviously, um, there is this sort of arc story of Michael Eisner messing up a lot <laughs> that starts to emerge the more you watch. Um, but it's... It, it's it's such a fascinating thing because I learned about rides that I never knew existed. I learned about rides that I couldn't understand why they went away. There's a whole video on Captain EO. Oh, uh, yeah. I never got to go on that. Oh, all the talent behind it. And the minute you get that much talent behind something, you pretty much decide it's going to go wrong. Because, mm -hmm. yeah. But, yeah, if it's a fascinating show. It's a fun show. And that's also where I learned about action park. And oh God. Yeah. He did a whole video on action park. It's a, it's an adventure. Would you, channel. would you explain action park for people who maybe aren't familiar with sort of the lore of horrible theme parks? I cannot remember exactly where action park is. I think it was How in I Jersey. That, you know, it seems like a thing that would be in Jersey, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> But it was so, I mean, people would actually get injured on the rides. Like one of the nicknames for it really is Class Action Park. Yeah. There there were injuries and deaths, but local people went to it because it was get, getting a bruise from one of the rides was sort of how you knew you had lived. 
sort of things. Mm-hmm. And it it has this weird sort of love-hate thing where people go, dear God, what in the world? But the people who actually went to it are like, I never went, so I can't necessarily understand the joy and the appeal of the survival aspect, but I'm sure it must be there. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I hear about people who talk about very fondly and then go, oh, yeah, no, people went to the hospital, no lie, no. That, <laughs> that's a thing that happened, you know, my my cousin broke a leg, you know, it's <laughs> and they're still like, even so... <laughs> You know, I mean, we had, we had in Virginia, we had Drakenfire, this roller coaster that gave people just the worst neck injuries. <laughs> and, and that's nothing like that's, that's the worst we've had at Bush Gardens. This is an entire park of that. I never got to do Drakenfire before it got taken out. Oh my God. Which is probably for the best. <laughs> so the theme park that we had, like, you know, I went down to Florida a couple times. My family would like rent a van. We never flew. We would always like rent a van with like the family next door and like all drive down, which was just like, I don't know if I liked it or hated it. Um, <laughs> I think both. <laughs> I think it was both. Um, and, uh, but we had a theme park like an, an hour away from us growing up called Canada's Wonderland or to be more precise, uh, Paramount Canada's Wonderland. And it was much like Universal Studios, a Paramount-owned theme park. Um, And there were rides based on movies, most notably Top Gun, which was, I believe, uh, one of the first, if not the first, inverted roller coaster so that you're kind of like sitting on a seat that's hanging from the rail. Um, and I think I did go in that one time. I was terrified. There's one called the bat, which like goes up really high and then slams back down and loops around. Um, the bat wasn't based on a movie. I don't think, um, <laughs> just it's based on the movie, the bat. And it's an honor of just bats in films. Um, there was like days of thunder stuff. It was what a Tom Cruise stuff. I don't know. Um, so that was our theme park, but it, uh, I don't think it, closed but it is something else now let me look it up uh because i think paramount was just like yeah no um now it's just called canada's wonderland and um it is owned by someone else and they renamed a bunch of things yeah you'd have to rebrand all the movie you'd have to like re-everything that's gonna be signs paint jobs everything yeah. Okay. I'm going to open their Wonderland attraction because there used to be like a SpongeBob center. <laughs> oh, there's oh. a ride called Mighty Canadian Mindbuster. It's a wood coaster. Mm. Um, I did my first wood coaster uh, last year. Finally, uh, we didn't have one at Bush Gardens, and uh, we do now. They've built one in uh, the New France area because it's a it's a Europe themed park. And Canada's in Europe, <clears throat> as we all know. <laughs> and they did this wooden coaster called Invader. And I actually got to go to the press day during construction. And I got to see just all the different... I had never seen a wooden coaster up that close in any form. So I had never seen all the beams, just, you know, this giant lattice work of stuff. And how it actually 
went through and over and under all these things that have been in the park for 40 years already. So it looks like it's been there since the park opened, even though it's like, what, a year old? It's great. The first one I rode, though, was up in Illinois. I went to um, Six Flags Great America with my friend Ginger. She took me there when I was visiting. And I did, um, I want to say American Eagle. One of those. That was the first one I ever rode. And that was wild. They're so noisy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's the Great Canadian Mindbuster, and then there's also the Ghoster Coaster, which is like a child roller coaster. Um, it was awarded some kind of status. It was awarded Ace Coaster Classic status. I don't know what that means. I'm sure. Oh, it's from the American Coaster Enthusiasts nonprofit uh. organization of roller coasters. But apparently, they rescinded that that status. As a result of recent changes to the coaster. We don't like it no more. It's not good. Their first coaster was better. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we had a um we had one here called the Big Bad Wolf, and it was uh it was an inverted coaster, but the cars were like really big. You weren't just sitting in a little chair. Like the whole car was hanging down. And they took it out because uh it wasn't drawing people anymore. I mean you know, dead ass. It just, you know, hey, it's there. It's a good first kids coaster, but not many people are riding it. And they replaced it with this one Verbolton, which I love because one, I am a sucker for branding and storytelling on anything, especially on theme park rides. Like, I don't care if it's a one minute roller coaster. If you have a story around it, <laughs> I will. I'm I'm that kind of sucker. And they really did so much branding about like this 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 haunted forest. And when you go into this tunnel, there's like these these wolf sounds and these shadows that are running alongside your car. And it's so cool. And the the last part of the track actually follows the exact same course as the big bad wolf. Mm. So it's it's really sweet. But like people didn't like it at first because they were like, well, it's not the big bad wolf. It's like, yeah, but you weren't riding the big bad wolf. But we liked it, but you weren't. <laughs> but we wa- we wanted it to just be there for nostalgia so we could walk by and go, oh, I don't know what the deal was. But <laughs> uh, I-, I just like the name Ghoster Coaster. That's, that's my kind of uh, retro... It sounds like a Ghostbusters themed roller coaster. And that actually reminds me, there used to be a thing um, at the Universal Studios called Ghost, it was like Ghostbuster franchise experience or something. (laughs) Um, What was it called? Not very subtle. (laughs) No, um, it was just like a, it wasn't a ride. It was one of those like interactive things where it was like a show kind of. Ah, yeah. Um, it's really hard to find. Um, They've Universal got a, Studios. You know, say I don't. I don't care if people did or didn't like the movie. Ghostbusters has come back because of it. So you know, say say what you like. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I, it was called the Ghostbusters Spooktacular. Yeah. Hmm. There's a Defunct Land episode on it. Oh, it's just a, it's a special effects show, but they talk like the whole thing is like about like, hey, you should open a Ghostbusters franchise. Um, I oh, love I'm gonna have to go. I love those that. things like 
I don't know. I know like I occasionally dive into this theme park stuff and uh, it's like so fascinating just because like I love I love the things that have like like you were talking about like the the cue um, like interactions and stuff or like the little uh-huh. details for like while you're in line. Like there was a Terminator thing like the Ghostbuster thing, except it was like 3D at Universal Studios where like it was like you're walking through um cyberdyne is that the name of the Ooh, yeah that um, sounds cool. and like you're walking it's like as if it's like current day and they're like we're releasing robots check out these killing machines and then to, <laughs> like uh john connor arrives from the future and he's like hey you gotta stop these robots but like as you're like walking in the lion you get to like see like all this cool stuff and there's like someone like telling you about like we're about to enter the room like Please, and like they tell you like to keep your arms and legs inside things but in like a, a cool coded way like don't stick your arms outside the spaceship you would be sucked into the vacuum of space <laughs> I, god i love stuff like that i i kind of wish i'd done that when you bet uh there was a batman ride at great america that kind of had that going there were actually a couple of batman rides there there was a really new there was like a a nolan era dark knight type one and then there was one that was a very clearly uh, a 90s installation, given the design and color. Mm. Uh, and they were, like, right near each other. But I love that stuff. But, yeah, Ghostbusters, aren't they doing, like, a Pokemon Go-type game coming up? That I think. would make sense. I don't know why I, they haven't already. I, I saw that there's a Ghostbusters smartphone game, and I was like, oh, snap, what is it? Is it a gotcha game? I love gotcha games. And... It's not. It looks like another Niantic type thing, which is fine, um, but not something that I have the time for. I know they did that with Jurassic Park, also. But dinosaurs just like hanging out. Dinosaurs just hanging out. And you don't catch them. You like you 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 shoot them and get with a little needle and get their DNA, and then you take them home and mix them up, um, which is safe. I don't know if I care for that. I mean, for people who are like super duper into dinosaurs and super duper into Jurassic Park, that's probably a, you know, hey, we made Pokemon Go, but for you. And there's already tons of people out there who are mad that I'm saying Pokemon Go and not Ingress, um, (laughs) which came first. (laughs) The predecessor, yeah. I have a lot of Ingress uh, friends. I tried it, but again, not the kind of time. Uh, I am interested in the anime coming out. The Pokemon Go... Or the the Ingress anime. Oh, that's okay. I had no idea that was a thing. It's I actually just finished doing a piece on it. That's that is how I know anything about anime anymore. Is it slides through the news feed, and I'm like, yeah, I know this is happening, not because I have watched it in any way, but because I've written five news pieces on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should watch it. Yeah, God. I wasn't working in anime so much. I'd watch more anime. <laughs> That's like my friends who work in games and they're just like, yeah, I don't play games anymore because I'm just like, I have to work on them all the time. You know, I watch the ones that I do social media for because you gotta. Um, I watch New Loop on the Third whenever it comes out because you gotta. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing Zombieland Saga right now because you gotta. Because, <laughs> um, well, that's just fun. Well, wait. What is Zombieland Saga? Because Zombieland, I know of as a movie starring Bill Murray. And I think the guy, I think Jesse something. <laughs> not, not not related. Okay. Um, I figured. 
Though, though I did write an artif- article for Crunchyroll, which is, what is Zombieland Saga? I don't know, but I'm making a lot of guesses, and one was um, in canon expansion of Zombieland. Uh, I said there's a 2% chance of that being true. It would be zero, but Bill Murray's a wild card. So <laughs> It's the Bill Murray but- anime. That we oh, all, we've gosh. that you've always wanted, but we're always afraid to ask for. Oh, I'm not I'm not a coward. I'm gonna ask every day. <laughs> uh, no, Zombieland Saga was uh, or is rather because it's running now. Uh, when it was first announced, it was this project by um, what were the th- what are the three companies? Mappa, who did Yuri on Ice, um, Psy Games, who did the the Horse Girl show, uh, and uh avex who do movies or movie movie music rather and all we knew is it was called Zombieland saga there were zombies in it it was by these three companies and the guy who voiced light from death note had a major role in it and then he would start getting on the youtubes dressed as his character and acting really weird and you had literally no idea what this show was about like none they gave you nothing there was a screening. Everyone had to sign uh, an NDA to see it. And it finally came out. And it's Zombie Idols. Yeah. I mean... And I was like, I mean, that was actually my guess because I saw Psy Games and Avex. And I went, Idol Game Company and Music Makers. Gotta be Zombie Idols. But it's funny as all get out. Like, I... I, I could almost see that if someone said, hey, it's a zombie idol show, everyone would go, oh, crap, not another of these idol shows. But this is, like, this is baller because so far every episode is a new style of music. So they've done metal and they've done hip hop. Um, each girl is from a different point in history. So you've got this 90s biker girl. You've got this Meiji era courtesan. You've got, like, this um, Showa era singer and all all these different zombie girls. You've got this, the cutest little zombie dog ever named Romero, um, who who is my favorite anything. And it is just weird funny. And I don't know, man. I just, this is one of the few shows I've seen where literally everyone who's watched it so far has been pretty much across the board. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm with this. Wow. It's it is it is wild. Well, you know, I was going to ask if you wanted to move on to the only segment that we do on the show, which is called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. But it sounds like you might already have a recommendation. I yeah, Zombieland Saga is a big recommendation for me. Um when I first saw it was going on, I was afraid it was going to get pretty generic pretty quickly, but um no, it's uh it's playing around a lot. Mamoru Miyano, who voices their manager, uh, there's a there's a lot going on with him, and he's clearly having fun with the role. And there's my favorite character, the legendary Tai Yamada, who is the only zombie girl who has not come back to her senses. No one knows who voices her. And uh, she just kind of wanders around, like, eating her own hair, and and you know chewing on people's arms and wow relatable it's uh, she is very relatable um (laughs) she she is super relatable yeah i i I look at her sort of sitting there like chewing on her bangs and 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 sort of grumbling and i'm like wow same (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, it's it's on Crunchyroll. So uh highly recommended. Cool. Well, what am I gonna recommend? Ooh, Ooh what have I been watching? Um, I mean, I've just been watching stuff that everyone already knows about. I've been finally finishing Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I've been watching Frasier because that's a part of who I am, and I'm not afraid to admit it anymore. Oh, yes. Um, You know, I've been watching all kinds of... I I have something I want to recommend, but I feel like I might have recommended it before. And that was going to be a dry hair oil. Um, like Ooh. your argans or your that kind of thing. Um, I'm pretty sure I've done that one. I do have a list, but I don't always have it handy. You know what? I'm going to recommend English chocolate because here's <gasps> the thing, kiddos. When I grew was growing up, my, so my mom is from England and her whole side of the family is. And so we would always get like these little like things of like, English chocolate for Christmas, like little like packs of things. And when I was over there again, you know, I'm trying to eat less sugar lately. Just, I don't know why, for some reason I decided it was going to be like a project, but uh, (laughs) I broke that when I was over there because I was just like, oh my God, I forgot how much better UK chocolate is than American stuff. It's crazy. It's wild how much better it is. It so is. It's so, even just like the very basic stuff, like just dairy milk and things like that. So good. One of my favorites is, um, two of my favorites, Curly Whirly is like a really, really thin, small thing when you don't want like a whole big chocolate bar. It's just like caramel surrounded in chocolate in this really charming little shape. Oh, yes. And then a flake is really good <gasps> I, too. I saw you tweeting about flakes earlier. Yeah, it's the most Foucauldian <laughs> chocolate bar. Um. <laughs> they're basically, they're just chocolate. They're I would compare them the the concept of them to an arrow, except they're good, um, or better than an arrow. I know people do like those, but they're they're just like like little tubes of like flaky wrapped like chocolate, just like wrapped around itself. And in England, you can get one stuck into a soft serve vanilla ice cream cone, and it's like the best on a summer day. Uh... But there, are, you know, a lot of major cities now have candy stores that will import the stuff and it is a little bit more expensive but like you know if you have one of those places near you i would strongly recommend just like trying it if you haven't before because um it's real good (laughs) is the thing about it so is and i i heard somewhere it's because american chocolate tends to be more sugar english chocolate tends to be more milk interesting that would make sense and it's also why english chocolate uh has uh a a closer expiration date which is which is why there's more sugar in american chocolate because you can keep it on the shelves longer interesting Uh uh-huh yeah god that is a very interesting yeah Yeah, well the actually yeah the first ingredient in flake bars is milk not sugar yeah it's the first time i had an aero bar i was just like i i'm not going home (laughs) what's what's weird is when i go to visit my friends and i always say is there anything you want me to bring you they're like almond m&ms and i'm like but you have fine and (laughs) well you always you know you don't know what you got till it's gone or like the grass is greener or some other exactly thing yeah 
I, I had one friend over there who asked me to bring them Tootsie Rolls, and I was just like, no. I'm sorry. Look. That's a crime. There are some, there are some things I'll do for you, but I can't watch you do this to yourself. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Love yourself, you know? <laughs> well, I think that about brings us to the end of the show. All right. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. I'm glad. Well, do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Uh, if you want to read more of my crazy ramblings, you can go to caradenison.com. Uh, you can also find me writing on Crunchyroll, Verve, and Sartorial Geek every once in a while. Uh, and I tweet at Ruby Cosmos, but I cannot vouch for the uh, intelligence of any tweets at any given time. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay everyone I feel like you should be allowed to have really like insightful comments and then also just like hammering on the keyboard like you know everyone contains multitudes that's what Walt Whitman was talking about yeah that's that's very true wake up in the morning and like talking about weird google searches I would do right when I wake up like how was how, how does the military get the babies out of the manta rays what <laughs> that's that's what i have never thought about that it i just woke up and that was a question in my head and i had to sort of sit still until i realized this is not a question i have to answer to continue with my day it's okay Uh, (laughs) you know what i'm just gonna leave that as a mystery i'm gonna leave that it's better that way it's left to the listener Um, just leave it just leave it hanging there to leave it well thank you again this was lovely Uh, I will talk to you later and have a great evening. You too. Bye. Bye. Woodland Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co slash support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.